You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome. Thomas, thanks for coming on. I uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, just to kick things off, do you mind introducing yourself and what it is you're involved with, what you do kind of on a day-to-day basis? Well, by day, uh, this is my, my, my passion project is RISE, which stands for Revolution Inspired by Self-Evolution, which the philosophy of that is basically if you want to see change, you got to be the change and you have to do the work, the day-to-day, moment-to-moment work uh, uh, through, of self-awareness uh, in order to change the reality re- around you. Um, Rise was formed out of, out of, uh, a bike ride, a cross country bike ride that I did for suicide awareness and the healing power of art. The way that I got into suicide awareness was that I lost my brother in 2001 (coughs) to, to suicide. I was 24 years old. He was 29, um, close to a decade before the bike ride very tumultuous. Uh, I just, I didn't, I, I was lost. I was, I was pretty lost before my brother killed himself. And that was just like the last drop in the bucket of, uh, completely losing my mind. Um, through a lot of work, uh, uh, a therapist, uh, doing meditation, exercise still wasn't great on, on diet. I just didn't have that awareness. And it always seemed overwhelming at the time. Uh, because everybody's trying to like sell you on what the best diet is. Um, I was getting better. And by the time I met my buddy, uh, who's a co-founder of Rise, Zachary Chips, um, there was a little bit of a cosmic giggle, as Terrence McKenna would say, in our, our meeting. I was actually working in a after-school program at the same park that my brother used to work at. And in comes this guy, uh, and we totally hit it off. And, um, I, you know, after our friendship starts to grow, I find out that he has the same birthday as my brother. And then I find out that he also lost his brother to suicide. So I kind of knew that there was something a little bit more, like I could have ignored that and just like, whatever, that's a weird coincidence. But I, I knew that there was something more to our, uh, connection and our paths crossing other than just like two guys talking about, you know, women going and playing hoops and, and drinking beer, you know, there's, there's a lot more. And what happened was, uh, this bike ride that we, uh, we started in 2012 on March 1st, we started at the golden gate bridge, uh, and we ended at the chapel of sacred mirrors uh, in upstate New York, <clears throat> which is, um, the uh, retreat art retreat center of Alex Gray, uh, the, the, the transformative, uh, transformational artist. Um, and our, our reasoning even for, um, the bike ride itself, or at least the, the, where we went or where we started and where we ended was, was important to me. I wanted to start it at a place that yes, the, the golden gate bridge is a national monument, but it's also a place where people go to end their lives. So it's, 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 it's a big symbol in, um, in the community of, of lost survivors of people who've lost loved ones to suicide. So I wanted to go, I wanted to start at a place that represented an ending and then end at a place that represented, um, that represents uh, transformation and transcendence. And the reason why we even chose art was just our, our relationship, my, my relationship with Zach grew out of music, like 
our, our, our appreciation for certain music. So and I always feel that like a lot of our connections that we make with people, they begin at a fundamental level. And it's usually about like, what are you into? What do you dig? What, what turns you on? What are you passionate about? And that's always some form of artistic expression in whatever, whatever medium it's in. So after the bike ride, I came back and even though I went to film school, I decided to uh, share my story in the one medium that I was horrible at and that's writing a book. Never been good with the written word. And so the last couple of years has been growth for me. It's a big challenge. It's big. So it was always like a difficult for me to just like put myself out there in the written word. I was always teased about it when I was younger by friends and even, even lovers. Um, I don't know why I chose it. So like part of me just wanted the extra challenge of learning something, maybe not being a master, not being a master at it, but at least learning a way to get my, my, my thoughts and my feelings across that are entertaining, maybe sometimes provocative, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, educational at the same time. So I've been doing that for the last couple of years. And it wasn't until I started the podcast, which is Inner Monologue, and I consider Inner Monologue to be a project of Rise, just as the book is a project of Rise, as the, the bike tour was a project of Rise. Um, and Inner Monologue was really – it was my way of uh, – it was, it, was, it was taking care of myself, my mental health, because writing a book, it's not a communal, it can be a communal process, but it wasn't for me. I'd go to my, my day job, I'd come home and uh, I would just write and write and write. And I totally lost like balance in that. I didn't work out when I, when I'm working on a project like that, whether it was in film school and editing a film or even writing, I'll forget to eat. <laughs> I'll just consume coffee and, yeah. and water and forget to eat and then wonder why, fuck, it's, it's 12 o'clock at night and I'm shaking. What's going on right now? Um, and it wasn't until I started, I had a back injury that left me in a wheelchair and on, um, on um, a cane off and on for about nine to 10 months. And it was, it, was, it was during the recovery process that music wasn't helping me in the gym, but po podcasts were and conversations were. And so the podcast not only became a way for me to like have a platform for other people to tell their story, uh, no matter how inspiring or traumatic it is, but really it was for me to be able to have somebody come in once a week or twice a week and I can have an hour long conversation. And that was like my actual human interaction. Uh, and a lot of times like somebody will come in and outside of a text, like, Hey, your episode's coming up. I'll never talk to them again, but I get so much from them. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to describe everything uh, that I'm about, but I, I am about, uh, I think like self-awareness is my spirituality and, and rise is, is my way is, is my purse, my purpose and my passion um, to exploring that. Uh, learning from other people and sharing what I've learned along the way. Mm, very cool. So it seems like you, you kind of needed or felt that desire that need to establish a little community. And I always like refer to it as a spiritual or a sangha or a satsang, which yeah. is like a very Buddhist type of uh, philosophy of establishing a community of like-minded people that you can kind of bounce ideas off of and just support mm -hmm. each other in various ways. 
It's funny you had mentioned uh, just when you were beginning speaking there that, that uh, the person had, was it they shared the same birthday as your brother? They, they shared the same birthday as my brother. Yeah, Zach. Very interesting. And you had never met this person before? I had met him through, because we both worked through Parks and Rec. But when I first met him, uh, I thought he was like a raver because he always looked sleepy and he was super skinny. And he just kind of had that look about him. And uh, he thought I was a pervert because part of my job was to go around and take photographs of, uh, of uh, summer programs with kids. I was like, hey, man, <laughs> we, did, we just didn't have a high opinion of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would see each other from a distance. It wasn't until we worked with each other that um, like we, kind of, we, are, we kind of fell in love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I always think of uh, your, your future self is always beckoning you in the present. So this is, this is something that calls you forward. And this individual you would, would have met with, you know, you may have not quite had that relationship initially, but it was calling to you both. Yeah, bringing you both together in that way. And it's really neat to see how everything came to fruition. And that was regards to the bike ride. It, it was 7,000 miles. I was looking up before hopping on the call here, but it was about 7,000 miles that you did on that. On yeah, that we, didn't do a, we didn't do a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, yeah, like how long did that take you exactly? It probably, it would have taken a lot. It, it would have been much faster. But so a few years before that, in about 2006, I was having an existential crisis. My biggest problem, that, my biggest cross to bear as I've been getting older, um, in my youth, I was very codependent. You know, and, and there was a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I, I like wanted people that I resonated with to come along. I didn't have the courage to go out and do something. So I was in this like situation where I was just like, I need to change, I need to change. Like something needs to change. Like I need a, a perspective shift. And my parents go to this very progressive Christian church. Very, very progressive. Like, you know, there's more than one faith out there. They view like, like spirituality to be like a mountain and we're all on different paths and we're all getting to the same point at the top. Thought that, you know, uh, social justice was very important. Um, uh, we are stewards of the planet. We shouldn't destroy it. Secular art is just as potent and powerful as scripture so even though as like an agnostic and somebody that like was more i was very, you know i like i've already mentioned terence mckenna so i was very like uh i was always curious about psychedelic psychedelic culture and all of that i was like oh okay here's an opportunity to walk across country with a bunch of christians and i mean it was it was almost like theology on 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 tour because like we would you we were learning a lot of stuff in scripture and they never they knew that they were never going to turn me and that wasn't even their point they i just i was like like-minded individuals on on a level of like social justice and environmental and and equality not only to religions but people of other sexual orientation we had a gay minister that was walking with us um and so like i i had this i i was like it just the idea of being on an adventure there's something very frodo and sam about it that i really appreciate and and i learned a lot about myself because i was with a bunch of strangers they were obviously into something that i had railed against i wasn't even open to even the idea of progressive christianity um and i just put myself in this situation i was like okay this is weird i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about another faith like christians get a bad rap and 
sometimes deservedly so, but like usually the minority are the loudest ones um, or the vocal minority. So I just had, when I got back from that walk, like I just had this like itch, like the idea of going out. I feel like uh, our, our, our true rite of passage is, is, is exploration, is, is travel. So when we came up with the idea for doing the bike ride, um, I wanted to, I wanted to be out as long as we could. I was like, I, I like, and so I just said, I, I created like three or four different routes and he agreed with the longest one. And uh, it always started at the Golden Gate Bridge and it always ended at uh, the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. Um, <clears throat> there were people that he wanted to, family members that he wanted to visit. There were family members that I wanted to visit. So we ended up doing this giant W throughout the country. Um, we, we stopped at a lot of different crisis centers and spoke with community members, um, researchers, therapists, psychologists, activists along the way. You know, we would speak with a crowd. We would we would we'd meet with just two people, or we would have, you know, five hundred people in the audience while we were speaking. It was very different. We would stay uh, in a trailer park, in a trailer home, or we would be staying in somebody's mansion. It was it was it was just wild, like the difference of America, the vast uh, diversity of America that we we got to we got to see. Um, so we like we started in San Francisco, went down to LA, came back to Phoenix, went up to uh, Boulder, Colorado, shot across to Omaha, Omaha all the way down to Austin and Houston, uh, Houston. We went across the Gulf states into uh, down to uh, Sarasota, cut across the Florida Peninsula, all the way up the coast, cut in towards Atlanta, and then wiggled our way back, um, going through, uh, you know all the other uh, major cities, DC, Philly, um, Manhattan, and then all the way up to Wappingers Falls where we ended our bike ride. Mm. Um, it was it, like, I just, I recommend that I, 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 in my day job, you know, I, I, I'm a podcaster by evening and I, I work at a library by day and the library that I'm in is like both for public and for a high school. So I'm around a lot of kids, especially like you got seniors coming in and they're always, you know, they're being tested all the time. They're having to take, like, they're being uh, pressured into taking, like, these classes by their parents. <coughs> Bless you. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. And I just, you know, I, I, I always, like, tell them, like, you know, your path is your own. You know, I know you, your mom and dad are probably going to fit the bill. You don't want to disappoint them. But sooner or later, you got to realize that what you do is up to you and it's important to be happy <laughs> yeah, that's a good point that's a good yeah. starting point actually <laughs> so what would you say is your biggest takeaway from that adventure i think my biggest takeaway is that i am capable of doing a lot of things if i put my mind to it i found my confidence before we left a lot of people were like especially people that knew my brother uh either old lovers of his or or um or old friends, they were like, you know, if you have to do this, you know, you, you have to do it. And I'm like, I've come to accept the fact that my brother is dead. <laughs> like, I'm not going out there because I need to heal. I'm going out there because I want to learn from other people and see how they're 
how they interpret the loss of their loved ones to suicide. I want to talk to people who maybe, you know, have attempted and survived or people who have thought about it and just want to get like, you know, um, I want to get a feel for what's going on like throughout this country instead of just being in the bubble of my own experience. So for myself, I learned that I was capable, like if I put my mind to it, I'm capable of doing it. Um, you don't really ever get over the fear. You just kind of like shit your pants while you're doing it. And, you know, hopefully you land on both feet. What I learned collectively from the people, um, a lot of people have their theories. They have their statistics that talk about suicide <clears throat> and mental health. And one thing that I think there's like this, some, you hear these people, these activists are like, we're going to end suicide. Uh, uh, we're, we're working on a campaign to end suicide. I'm like, you're never going to fucking end it if you don't get to the actual problem. And um, Edwin Schneidman, I think is his name. He was a suicidologist. He would refer to people that are suffering from mental health issues that may lead to suicide as a psychic. And I really like the idea of like, this isn't something, most of the people that are born with a genetic uh, disposition that leads to a severe mental health uh, issue aren't the ones that are, that are taking themselves out. They're not the ones committing suicide. A lot of the people, it's, it's, it's an experience that they've had that they, and, and a trauma they have that they haven't dealt with. Um, it's just life handing a, a certain um, uh, certain events just one after another that are just not only like traumatic, but are just a lot of weight on the person. And to me, I really think like one of the biggest causes that we don't really talk about is that there's an actual sickness within our, within the psychology of our culture. And you just look at all the things that we value. You look at all the things that we tolerate, you know, like, politicians left or right whatever they're allowed to lie and it's cool like we go to the grocery store unless we do all the research based on like nutritional value and what we're allowed to companies are allowed to bold faiths lie to you like about what's in their product and how dangerous it is um we value celebrity is our is our royalty and we value celebrities whether they're fringe celebrities or their mainstream celebrities. Uh, we value them more than we value education, uh, more than we value ourselves. And I think the, the, a lot of that is just like learning how to direct the energy of inspiration when it comes to celebrityism. Like, yeah, if that person motivates you because of what they're doing, you're inspired by that, take that energy, energy and direct it inward and to do something with it. Otherwise it just fizzles away. Don't sit there and be a sycophant and just like, oh my God, you're so amazing. But we get, we get stuck into that. We believe that like this idea of celebrityism is, uh, it's deified. This is, this is a God from Olympus that has come down and oh my God, they actually shook my hand. I think a lot of those problems, those issues is just that we weren't taught and we're still not being taught unless we wander into an ashram or wander into a yoga studio or wander in to a, a, a certain art exhibit or an elective in college, we're not taught the importance and the power of self-awareness and self-worth. I think a lot of those issues could be resolved if we started teaching, having stuff like that taught in class.
in school. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. And I, I like the way you put it, sort of getting outside the bubble or the realm of your own experience, just really going out. So did you find that it took you a while to, to work your way up to that point? I mean, you would have obviously had to be dealing with grief and feelings of loss and all this other stuff. But to get beyond that, through that, outside of that bubble, do you find that it was a, it was a lengthy, drawn-out process for you? Do you think it just got clicked for you and you're like, this is what I need to do? And you had this calling to go take action. I find a lot of people do get caught in that bubble. It's like they never leave that bubble in a lot of cases. And that becomes their only, like that's, that's their only experience that they have. That's their only reality. So in order to make that mental shift, what, what do you think, even if someone was in a similar situation of having dealt with either a suicidal loss of a, of a loved one or you know, just loss in general of a loved one, how, how would you recommend someone take that, that first step in the direction of getting outside that bubble? Well, I, <clears throat> I, I, uh, I, facilitated a support group for people who lost loved ones to suicide. And because it's so weird that like I research suicide from time to time. I'm a big reader. I love to read. I, I go from like comics to sci-fi to nonfiction. And my nonfiction is usually about mental health, suicide, spirituality, philosophy, whatever. And a lot of people like hate it when they, when you, they hear shit like, this is God's plan or this was meant to be, or this will just make you stronger or, you know, it's just a choice to feel the way that you feel. And I get it. That shit's annoying to hear. But when it comes to the choice, I think there's a lot of truth to choice. The, the thing that they don't tell you in their memes or in their, uh, their fortune cookie, uh, quick explanations of like, you know, you can change the way you feel. It all comes down to a choice. It takes a lot of work and time to get to uh, the understanding that there is a choice <laughs> yeah. to come to the awareness that there is a choice. Once you go through the work and you go, you, you travel through that dark wilderness and then you finally have that epiphanic moment where you're like, aha, it is just a choice then you can decide whether or not you want to make it. You know, there's a lot of shit that you have to travel through and shovel before you get to the even understanding of what choice even means. Once you get there, you know, you have to decide for yourself because when you're in, when you're in, when it's trauma to me is like anything else that you can build a habit to. If you get used to feeling like shit emotionally if you get used to uh, just being down in the dumps and you're trapped in your bubble of, uh, and you don't want to see a way out, it's hard to even like get to the idea that there's a choice and that I can change. So it takes a lot of work. I think it just, no, you just have to let people know, yo, this is a process. You want a quick fix. You want your drive through uh, remedy that you can want, you wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one gets filled first. You know, like you have to take these steps, find a support group, find a therapist, exercise and get energy running through your body, eat healthy. You know, I'm, I'm like, my biggest thing right now is sugar. I, I'm a fucking addict, man. I'm sorry. Are we allowed to cuss? I should probably should because yeah. okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go off like a sailor. I am addicted to sugar and I know that and I do my best to work with it. 
you know, I, oh, let me, let me. And, but when I eat this food, I'm starting to become more and more and more and more aware of my body and caring about how my body feels. I used to be okay with like, uh, I don't mind feeling bloated and disgusting two hours after I eat that donut. Now I think about it. I'm like, I, it's not worth it. You know, and, yeah, and it's a good way to put it. Not worth it. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth it. Like, do I want to feel this way? It's not worth it. Um, and I think like people have to like realize that once they create a substitute, you know, for their way of their state of mental being, you know, create a substitute of like, I don't want to go to the gym and it's going to suck and I'll probably bitch the entire way through it. But when I'm done, ah, oh, that's a substituted feeling. I don't want to go to therapy. I'm going to sit there and probably have a lot of ugly crying and just snot bubbles and tears and slob. It's just going to be gross. But when I'm done and I've expelled that internal turmoil and I've had somebody to reflect it on to me, um, I'm going to feel a lot better about it. Um, and, and, and with therapy, people are like, well, you know, I haven't found one. Therapy is like dating. All right. Don't marry your, 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 your first, your first love. <laughs> all right you want to like and i have nothing against uh, against therapy i always feel like it's a uh, it's like maintenance on your car all right you ride your bike you drive you have long commutes you take it into the shop give it a tune-up that's the same thing with uh with your mental state and all really a therapist a good therapist in my opinion is there for is just to like allow you space to get the shit that's bouncing around inside of your head and to give it actual uh, external world volume. Cause it sounds a lot different when you say it from when it's just bouncing and rattling inside your head. And if you have another person there to give you a different perspective on that, I mean, you could either say, yeah, fuck that, I don't believe you, or you can use the opportunity to learn and be like, hmm, I wonder if it is that and it allows you to explore. So give yourself, when you're going through a trauma like that, when you're suffering from a loss of any time, whether it's <clears throat> through death or a breakup or losing a job or losing a friend or whatever, like you have to give yourself the opportunity to learn and to exercise certain tools that'll give you a different perspective on how to be. And then you can choose if you want that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like the idea of, of having your default setting as one that is like harmonious with all things, loving, blissful, joyous. Like mm -hmm. these are the way I always you know, refer to a tree being very much like a human being and, and a, a tree, it should just be like a reference point for any human. It should just be all, always in harmony with everything. So when we get into these states of being like angry or, or you know, um, in your case, it's just that feeling of, of depression or suffering or, or, or loss. These aren't necessarily a natural state of being. And it's like kind of what you said, people are learning these ways as their natural state and to making it their default I've even spoken with some people and they say, well, I don't want to default back to being that way. And when I hear that, I'm like, you've got it all flipped. It's <laughs> default back to being harmonious. This is the default, not yeah. what you've now, uh, you know, come into through external stimuli, through all these external things, which you even just alluded to moments ago, you know, uh, just the garbage in the supermarkets, the media, like just the overwhelming overload of information. I feel that, like, I feel like this, this is starting to make a new default for people that's just completely false. Like it's, it's complete illusion, delusion, and confusion. I actually have a lot of people commenting on my Instagram podcast page. And sometimes the comments I see, it's like, these people are completely lost right now. Like and a lot of the posts I make on there 
hard to try and actually made one recently where it was like surrender uh, something. Just I put up a blank space and I was like, surrender what you want to this flame photo thing, which is how people love that stuff. And it's because I want to offer something up, like let people know there's a way that you can give this up, give this, this feeling of suffering up. You don't have to hold on to it. It's not something that you need to carry with you. So I just, I just like to have that page try and try to illuminate some people's day. And a lot of people do message me and say thank you and whatnot for those things. So um, that's kind of like what I've tried to build up on Instagram, spiritual community there, and it's gone quite well. Um, so do you have a meditation practice that you implement now on a day-to-day -day basis or weekly or anything like that? It doesn't have to be like sitting cross-legged lotus or anything like that, but nature bathing or, you know, just introspective work of any kind. Um, it's so weird because like I'm so much better with it out in the world than I am with it in the comfort of my own home. Cause like my, my armor's off, you know what I mean? I come home and it's, it's weird. Like after a long day, it's usually easier to set, to be set off by things. Um, my partner and I, she's just, we, we give, a, we, we try to give each other a lot of space cause she's a painter. She's an energy healer. Um, I'm writing a book and I've got other things that, that I, I fiddle around with. But like when I when I get in the, up in the morning for my back injury, I I have to stretch, I have to like get on the floor and I have to like you know, uh, some yoga, some just like basic stretching. But I I'm on the floor for like twenty to thirty minutes, and um, I do do a lot of bike riding. I like to move when when I'm and, and bike riding for me is a way of of um, being hyper focused while letting everything go at the same time. Cause you don't want to run into anybody. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to hit a rock and, and eat shit. So I think like, that's like, a, to, for me, like cycling, especially like when I ride in the street and I have to deal with cars and no trust that cars will deal with me in the appropriate manner. Um, I, I, I like to go to the, I like to work out. And, and even like at work, I'll just, I'll sit and just breathe. I just concentrate on my breath. I don't really do mantras. I, I used to, sometimes I still do when, when I lay down in bed at night, like to myself, I'll like say stuff. My partner's always like, why are you out as soon as you, your head hits the pillow? Maybe it's because of those mantras. I'll just sit there and I'll like do like a quick, I'll go through it about like, you know, I'm being taken care of. My body is healthy. My body is healing. My body is strong. And then I'm just, I'm gone. <laughs> It's not until the, the the morning that that like I'm back to reality. But um, for me, like exercise is a big part of 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 a daily practice. Breath is a big part of my daily practice. Who I deal with at work is a huge part of my practice. Like, I think people need to understand is that like meditation can be in a conversation. Meditation can be in an interaction with another human being. Like I get tested so much i work with kids man i work with like middle school kids which are the worst middle school kids are like socially accepted sociopaths they are all jacked up on chemicals man um and you just kind of have to like learn how to navigate with them like when you come up and you're like you know hey don't be like that you know they're gonna respond in kind but if you you got to learn how to like work and speak their language you know, in an appropriate way, but in a language that they understand. And they, if you don't, if you're not present within yourself, 
when I'm dealing with a, with an angry customer because they're like, Hey, I turned this book in and why do I owe $30? Like if I, if, if I'm not present within myself and how I'm feeling, how is my body feeling? How, where is, is this interaction bringing tension into my chest or my shoulders getting tight? Is my jaw getting tight? Is my breath getting shallow? If I, if I'm aware of my body in any circumstance out in the world, that is going to tell me that I need to slow down. I need to, to take a step back mentally. I need to take a breath. I need to call, like find, get back to my center, get back to, as you said, like the actual true, true default, which is love and kindness. And when I approach a person who's pissed off or, you know, socio, uh, social accepted sociopath teenager, that if I, if I come to them with a little bit more grace, nine out of 10 times, it's going to change the vibe of the entire interaction. No matter how, how out of self-awareness these individuals that I'm dealing with are. You know, because I don't know, when, if somebody comes in and they're being assholes, they might have just got really bad news. They might have just come from the doctor. They might have like, just come from a, a, a sick friend or, 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 or sick lover, or they might've real, they're going to lose their house or one of these kids, you know, guy really liked this girl and she didn't want to make out with him. And he's just upset about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever. She doesn't like him like that. And he's just really, he's, he's taking a, he's taking a hit. You know, I have to, I think that when you're aware of yourself, you're aware of the possibility the infinite possibility of what others are experiencing. And you have a little bit more compassion, no matter how much of, of a douchebag they're being. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not good at that all the time. You know, like I have to be present within myself. And sometimes I'll be in the, I'll, I'll be, I'll be interacting with them. Like, Oh, you're going to be a dick. All right, let's do this. And I'll catch myself like in the middle of it. And I'll be like, no, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'll even apologize. I'll like, I'm sorry. I'm, I, you know, like, let's start all over again. Um, or if I, if sometimes they, the interaction's already over and they're gone, I'm like, that was a, it was a missed opportunity, but it was also a, a learning lesson because at least I caught myself. It may have been too late, but when that person comes back in, um, you know, I, I'll have another opportunity to change it. And I, and, and it helps me it's grown my community at work. Like I have people that like, they only want to deal with me, you know, because I've, I, I've, I think, I hope that it's because I, I, I'm able to, or that I'm getting better at finding my center when I'm interacting with people. So I think like meditation is something that it's like, you know, it's like when you're on the mat, when you're on the cushion, that's practice. You know, that's why they call it practice game time is out in the streets. That's where you take what you, what you've been practicing and you apply it in a real life situation. So, you know, you kept going back to stay in the center. This is a really important uh, you know, philosophy as well. It's, it's, it's everything's spinning on the outside of the wheel so quickly that you have to constantly return to the center so that you don't get caught in all that craziness, which could be anger, which could be whatever it may be that's arising in that conversation. And uh, even how you mentioned the meditative practice of going out in the world and just experiencing the world and carrying that with you, it's actually also very Buddhist. Um, you know, there's uh, four postures of meditation, sitting, standing, lying down, and walking. You know, yeah. like anytime. Actually, you can even include now thumbing. 
you know? <laughs> Something on these things is like you do these meditative practices and always returning to, to breath, actually. Um, I have I had a few guests recently. Uh, one uh, focuses on uh, soma breathwork therapy. Uh, another one does trauma therapy with breathwork uh, and they do um, like holotropic breathing. So they'll do like two, three hour long therapy sessions with people that have gone through trauma and get all that up and out through just use of the breath. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it's a really powerful tool. And I, and I like the, the way you mentioned that as well. It, it is very actionable, the advice you just gave, because you just basically utilize the breath, remain aware of your own body, of your own physical being. And even in just doing so, you know, like your fight or flight response is kicking in or not. And you can uh, be aware of that arising within you and then make the adequate decisions or the appropriate ones. And at that time, I've had some difficulty too, like just with people around the world. I'm, I'm very quick uh, to get angry because yeah. I just don't, I don't, uh, I don't like what people, uh, my, my wife comments on it too, but like, I like, I set a wall or like a, or a, like a fence and it's like people cross that or broach on my fence or step on my toe. I'm, I'm not like polite in any way. I'm usually all like knock them right off. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm always trying to <laughs> my, the masculine side of that with, with this feminine energy of yielding and breathing and kind of like being more aware of that fight or flight. And I'll give you a little anecdote. Recently, I had someone, I was, I have a Doberman Pinscher and I take him to the park and he's fully trained, like completely trained, raised with children, no issue whatsoever, but I'll leave, leave him off the leash sometimes to run around. And I heard someone walking by whispering like some nonsense, like, oh, that dog should be on a leash, rah, rah, rah. And I know this is like a triggering thing for me. And I had one of those experiences where I was like, oh, this fucker, you know, like this. Is <laughs> so, and, and in my mind, I was like, he didn't say it to me. He just whispered it, uh, you know, uttering it under his breath and this and that. But it's that ego and it comes in. And I was like, I need to tell this guy to fuck off. <laughs> it's like, but then that good side of me, that harmonious one was like, no, you don't. You can just, you just leave that alone. You can go about your day. And of course, I ended up speaking up kind of telling the guy off as politely as I could at that moment in time. And uh, it's like when I came back, that same thing you were, you were de describing there was I had this, this thought of like, I knew in that moment what I should have done. I kind of ignored the correct thing to do and just like satiated my own desire to tell this person to fuck off. Mm -hmm. So it's like when I came back, this is just such a learning process for me. And even beyond that, I, I go to my wife, I'm like, you should have been with, there with me because normally she's more yielding than me. She'll like grab me and be like, you need to calm down, leave this alone. But then I also reflected on that and thought, you know, I can't keep pawning off the yielding to her. I need to carry this with me. I need to be this way and I need to adhere to my own inner voice and my own advice to kind of be a bit more yielding and breathe in, in those moments. So I, I love the, the advice you gave because it kind of reminded me of that, that recent story and and just the actionable steps that one should take when they're out in the world and, and encountering these all, all these external things that could you know, throw you out of that, that center point. Um, so great, great suggestions you made there. I mean, I, I resonate with that anger too, because like a lot of people, you know, comp, this will be hard to, let me just explain it. I, I start like seeing eight different ways of saying it. And then like I get jumbled. I'm a big angry person too. And you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I meditate to, you know, and there's kind of this like piety to it and I, I find harmony and peace and all that. I'm like, that's great. And that's like where I want to get to, too. But I meditate so I don't rip somebody's fucking face off. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably get my ass kicked try attempting to do it, too. Um, 
but like I, there's this inner asshole that's always been in there that I've actually, with my confidence, with my understanding, um, in, uh, and of self-worth that I finally let out. And I, I try to be compassionate with my anger too, because it's kind of like my superpower. Like if I don't check it, if I don't check myself, if I'm not centered, that anger will come out explosively and, and, and hurtful. But if I, it, but it's still energy and it's not a bad energy. It's just, it's unfocused energy. That's why it comes out in anger. But if I focus it, if I turn it inwards, it gets into this, this mentality like, yeah, I've never done before, but I'll fucking ride my bike, you know, 4,000 miles myself, my buddy, 3,000 miles. Oh, we'll, we'll do that. Or, um, I, I suck at the written word. I'll write a book. Fuck it. And I think like when I, when I, when I direct that energy into something positive or, um, I was like, okay, I want to let a little bit of my asshole out, but I don't want to be spiteful and I don't want to be hurtful. So I try to bring it out in a joke and like the best, the best uh, instruments or tools for this has been working with kids because they respond so much better to sarcasm than they do order. <laughs> you know, they find order in in like this sarcastic exchange between the two of them you know like they want somebody that's not going to sugarcoat shit with them or just you know boss them around and tell them what to do it's like i have there's kids that if i would have said hey you're out of the building there would be a fight but because i've grown that relationship i'm like hey you know you're out of the building they're like ah oh, you caught me and they're just like whatever dude i'm out of the building and and we don't think about it we're not going to be upset about it but it all like so I try to be compassionate with my anger and learn from it because it's just as much as a learning tool and it's not going anywhere. I, you know, maybe that's just me spell casting on myself and creating a belief system, but like, I don't really want it to go anywhere. I want to use it. It's there. How do I use it productively? Mm -hmm. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. How do you, how do you funnel and direct that? How do you funnel and direct that energy is, is really, and the bike ride is a perfect example of how, how to do that or, or writing. I've had similar experiences with podcasting where like a podcast episode will fall through or like um, the timing just doesn't align and it's like I booked that slot and I almost feel like, oh shoot, like why do I bother with this podcasting? You know, if people aren't gonna, you know, make it to the times and this and that. And it's like, I get frustrated with that and it's like I could take that anger and I could just say, screw it. Don't even bother with the podcast. I had one of those experiences not like several weeks back and then I thought, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. And I pulled open my, my, um, you know, I might've even messaged you at this time, but I pulled open my Instagram and I was like, instead of saying, screw it, let's go hard in the other direction. So I started messaging people like, do you want to be a guest? Do you want to be a guest? Do you want to be a guest? Because it's the complete, it's just the transmuting process of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. If you take something that's going to be so negative and you could just, I could at any moment just say, fuck the whole podcast, fuck the whole thing, whatever. <laughs> like, that's not the right way to go. That's just anger. So you yeah. need to always look on the reverse side of that and go, uh, you know, let's go the other direction. Let's extra book people in. And I'm just reflecting back on that over the past several weeks. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I did because I've had great conversations with people in the, in this, the past several weeks that I wouldn't have otherwise had. So yeah. it's like when, when you have these angry based reactions, it's like you don't allow yourself the opportunity to experience the other side of things. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I think I literally just messaged you probably a day after or so. I was already pissed and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start reaching out to people because I know you have a podcast. And I was like, I'm going to even reach out to people that have podcasts because in large part, they don't really get on the other side of things. They don't really get interviewed much. So it'd be kind of neat. And I know you've had quite a few guests as well. Actually, how many are you at right now? Just posted 177, but I think I have up to 210 conversations already recorded. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like, those are all, like you were saying, like healing experiences and just a way to build on that community that, that you, well, you have them come into your home, right? Like, you have yeah. To yeah. I, I try to get as many people, like I have this like desire in my brain, even if I'm the only one that sees it, that to just, just try to have like uh, as much as the Phoenix community represented for like if people want to learn about individuals in the phoenix community that are that live here or that are traveling through that there's there's an archive with people are are, have uh, hour long to hour and a half long conversations Mm -hmm. but so i and i like having people come come to the house or if you know they can't i go to their houses it don't it was uh, probably like after like episode 100 that i finally started or close to that that i finally gave in to the idea of doing online interviews and that's totally been helpful because i've had opportunities working in a library where like a book just calls me you know i just like see it and i'm like ah you want me to read you don't you and like i'll circulate it and people will check it out and it will come back in it keeps coming and from that like i reached out to authors found them on instagram and i reached out to them was like hey can we have a can we have a conversation and i've i'm three for four (laughs) <laughs> so yeah yeah i actually did that with a few um like spiritual teachers of mine um lana suryadas he's an author as well and i reached out to him same thing we actually ended up booking through his uh i guess it'd be like his book or his agent or whatever it may be but it was pretty neat just to, just to see that it, it's like people are very receptive to having these, these open conversations and i think it's kind of like a, a good direction for media social media as a whole yeah because otherwise it's like this is the one to three percent of social media that's you know pretty resourceful for people, as opposed to the you know ninety-seven percent that's just absolute trash, garbage, mean memes, nonsense. You know, so it's just a matter of kind of filtering through all that to get to the real, like the the good stuff. And I think having these conversations is really part of that. And what I noticed your podcast as well, I noticed it, it's heavily focused around mental health awareness mm-hmm. um, and just your story, your backstory as well. Um, I think it's just really important to share these things because I know a lot of people do go through this stuff, but I just see it in the comments and everything in the messages. And uh, I think that a lot of people aren't willing to necessarily reach out to someone. It's mm-hmm. like they, they're willing to put in their headphones though and listen to two people have a conversation, around the topic, <laughs> but they're not willing to go out like you were saying, sit down with a therapist, have the messy tears and all that stuff. It's like, it's, it's a little bit too much for them. So this is like the first step is these conversations and, and just how open you are about your experience and, and how you kind of come full circle with it. Uh, I think it's just really a, a very valuable resource for anyone that's listening to this, experiencing any sort of loss or anything like that. Well, I think um, like mental health, uh, people need to recognize that like mental health isn't something that happens to somebody else. Like mental health is we all have mental health. We all have a, like, just where is it on the spectrum? Are you happy or are you not? And if you're not happy, like what's going on? Like somebody can just like have a lot of debt and then lose their job. And with that, lose their shit. And within 24, 48 hours, just 
decided that that's probably the best thing to do is like to opt out because it would be, they don't want to be a burden on people. Like you don't have that. And that person could have been totally happy before, but because they didn't have the tools, you know, they're just kind of like coasting through the default world, doing everything that, you know, the culture tells you, you should do. This is what you have. This is the playbook, follow the playbook and, and, and you'll find the American dream and you follow the playbook. And then all of a sudden you like, you hit a roadblock and you don't have any type of like tools and toolbox to like deal with any type of like trauma or stress and boom, like you just make the decision. Like everybody, it's like physical health, like what you put in your brain, like what you put in your body, who you, who you uh, engage with and how, like, it's all part of like mental being, (laughs) you know, like, and, and that's why like, you know, mental health, um, and, and mindfulness, like they're, they're hand in hand, uh, meditation and mental health is, is hand in hand mental health begins with mindfulness that was like that's it it comes with like being where understanding where you're at if you're schizophrenic or if you're bipolar self-awareness is important (laughs) knowing your triggers knowing things that are going to set you off knowing if i have found a cocktail that's going to work with my mental faculties and my wiring where you know maybe that doesn't work for somebody else but it works for you like that is part of self-awareness and, and being mindful, you know, not putting yourself into a situation is it, it, all of it. You're, you're alive. You're going to have to deal with your mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. If you're alive. You got a brain. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Basically, I see it as your in, in, in being alive and taking birth and incarnating. I see it as you're, you're accepting this technology. Which, is, yeah. which comes with this beautiful, amazing brain, which is a great piece of technology. But the problem is, and getting back to education, which we spoke about earlier briefly, is that no one's given a manual to mm-hmm. how to use this technology. It's just like, here you go, and good luck. And it's kind of, you're just cast over the world. So I think that, and getting back to, again, these conversations, I think it does help people put together some sort of operating manual that they can at least refer to and say, okay, no, I don't have to be that way. I can, I can go more in this direction and, and, you know, make a better life for myself. I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be depressed. If you lose your job, if you're in debt or anything like that, these are all things that are part of this weird illusion. You know, it's not, they don't have any strong roots, foundation and anything, but things like, like your heartbeat, your breath, these are a bit more rooted in truth and reality that they don't go away when your debt flies up. They don't go away when you lose your job. You still have your breath. You still have your heartbeat. This is like basic of the, you know, page one of the operating manual. And I feel like a lot of people lose sight of that. And then they just focus so much on those external things that it's like those things don't make up the individual. The individual is made up entirely of, I like to say love in all honesty, entirely of love. And that's the only thing that is it resonates in truth. And then everything else is just like, I don't know. It's almost like it's like there to to play. It's like Monopoly money. It's like part of the whole board game of life. And it's there. (laughs) You can use it, but don't get too caught up in it in any which way, because it's, it is just a board. You can knock it over if you want. You're completely fine. You're still there. The player's still there. So um, yeah, just, (laughs) sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but that's, that's fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. Um, so what would you suggest if anyone wanted to, uh, if they're, if they're experiencing any sort of loss, uh, loss again, or they're feeling kind of lost themselves, but they want to 
do want to go out and reach out to a community or take part in something, um, how would you even recommend if someone wanted to start a podcast or start just speaking online? You know, like, because a lot of people have a lot of hangups with kind of like what you were saying with, with writing, you know, you, you, you kind of had this feeling like you, like you hadn't practiced it enough, I suppose, and you weren't uh, proficient with it too, so much, but how do you recommend someone take that first step in, in creating like a creative outlet, funneling anger, funneling anything they may have into a creative outlet of some sort? You just do it and realize that there, there's a process. Um, I mean, it depends on like what the person's into. If you're into writing, you know, you could start for free. You could start an online blog if, 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 if you're into writing. And I think the intention is important. Am I doing this for validation or am I doing it because I need to get it out of my fucking system? You know, I, I think that that's an, excuse me, that's important to recognize. I, I, if my mom and, and my partner, Sharon, are the only one to read my book, all right, I fucking need to get it out of my system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the projects that I have down the line that I want to start working on as soon as this book is over is, is more uh, fictional storytelling rather than like, you know, and I want to like have the same, I want to say the same thing that I'm saying now, but I want to do it in a very creative, flashy way. And again, like, I don't think I, validation's cool, but I just need to get the story out. If I don't get it out of my system, I get jammed up. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's, for me, it's always been important to just like find, find a way to express myself. I like talking. I like listening to other people's stories. So the podcast was very, um, was important. Like I tell, I've, I've had a few like uh, podcasts, 101 with uh with uh the students because for their classes i've been invited to talk about stuff i don't tell them what my podcast is because like i'm like hey you're seven you're not 18 yet when you graduate come to me i'll let you know what the podcast is or you know my name do research you find it on your own <laughs> good for you i just with my work working with the government municipality and like you know talking about mushrooms and ayahuasca don't really need like 16 year olds parents coming like oh you told my kid about this you know what i mean so um work work harder work smarter not harder um but with like a podcast like does it need to be 100 crisp i like the i like sometimes like if i have papers and i'm reading stuff and you hear a little bit of the paper in the background i don't mind sipping tea i know it drives some people fucking crazy but as soon as they comment i'm like i'm going in all in on that <laughs> 30 minutes of tea sipping yeah you know like just whatever way you want to do it do it because you need to do it not because you want other people to validate it validation is great but like have the intention why do you want to do this are you just trying to be cool are you are, are you looking for attention like there's enough of that going around. You could just like have like a quick rant about how shitty your day was on Facebook and you'll get attention. Even if it's eye rolls, you're going to get attention, whether you feel you see it or not, you're going to get that attention. But like, just like, especially with a podcast, like you're not going to make money unless, unless you're a big name, you're not going to make money right off the bat. So you better love what you're going to be talking about. You better have an investment in what you're going to be talking about. You, you better have uh, an a connection to what you're going to be talking about, what you're going to be writing about, what you're going to be painting about, what you're going to be singing about. Just share who you are in all of its crusty glory and, and, and just do it. And just know that like, you're not, 
the first one out, the first thing you put up, it's not going to be gold. It's not going to be the greatest creation of art ever. I mean, if it is, fuck, man. You want to be on my show? Let's talk. Yeah, you set the bar <laughs> really high for yourself. If it is. Yeah, so, yeah. Perfect. Episode two. Uh oh, here we go. Yeah, you you want you want to be able to learn. You want to be able to evolve. You want to be able to grow. And and I I think that's important. I just the the best advice that I give is the simplest, most cliche shit. But it's just fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And who is a fuck what anybody thinks about it you know what i mean like like if if you're if you want validation and that's why you're doing it then there's issues there that like we need to talk about before we even you know if you even care about that maybe you should talk to a therapist but like we're here to create we're here to explore um we're here to make up a reason why we're here (laughs) and just fucking put yourself out there you're if if you if if people like make fun of what you do you're not the first human being on the planet right now and throughout history to do some dumb shit and you're certainly not going to be the last person right now on the planet or in the future that's going to do some dumb shit and it's probably not going to be the dumbest shit either yeah so just be dumb yeah you know like just be you and some people are going to find value in it. That's why a lot of people, when I invite people, I don't know if you hear this from sometimes um, because I, you know, I like going out and getting experts and having them on the show. That's always fun because a lot of times they, they know their story and they know what they're about. You don't barely even have to ask questions. You just hit record, you ask one thing and then they're off. <laughs> you barely yeah. even get a word in a few of those where I think I spoke for like 10 minutes of an hour. So. Yeah. 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 You were, you're like, you're just you're, you're like, that was the easiest podcast I've ever recorded. Easiest conversation I ever had. But when you get the, you, you, when you, when I, when I see people in the community uh, here in Phoenix and I'm like, that's a pretty cool story. You know, maybe all they did was just post like, Hey, this happened to me and I've never expressed it before. And and you didn't even know that this was in their life. And I reach out to them. I'm like, hey, would you like to talk about that? Or if I see somebody that's doing something interesting, or they, they still think like, oh, I'm not interesting. I don't have a story. I'm like, oh, you, along with mental health, you got a heartbeat. You got a brain. It's all working. You are a story. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. You know, those are, those are the challenging conversations where like you have to like, you create, you create a platform for somebody to talk and then you kind of do a little bit more talking because they got to get comfortable with you. But everybody has a story. So whether you want to tell your story through poetry or through a written story or through a podcast or through a painting or through a song or through a sculpture, just fucking tell your story. Mm-hmm. And then do it for yourself. Do it for yourself. Somebody somewhere out there I mean, if you post it or put it on the internet, there's somebody on this planet who will fucking get it. Yeah. And there's probably a community of people that'll fucking get it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like just, good use of the internet anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it's better than a plate of food, but that's cool too. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> have you had any experiences with, I know you briefly mentioned it right there, with psychedelics, magic mushrooms, DMT, uh, LSD, any anything at all? Have you had any real profound experiences with uh, any of those type of substances? 
Fuck. When have I not had a profound experience on any of those substances? Um, okay, I'm going to tell two real quick. All right. <clears throat> One was the last time. Okay, the, I have a lot of people who have done ayahuasca on the show, and I keep on getting invited. I just don't feel called to do psychedelics right now. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it just to do it. Like, I, I, I have to feel like a re- resonance with it. I know but, a lot of people that do it just to do it. Like, yeah. Bi-weekly. And I'm just yeah. like, why? <laughs> like, how do you have time to, pro- I mean, God, your processing inf- uh, system must be fucking on point. You know what I think? It's not processing. That's, That's I, and Yeah, I was being flippant think, about it, but yeah. Because if, you're, if you're not, if you're doing it that frequently, you're not actually giving yourself the time to properly process it. I have a buddy, he said he went off to an elf village in a DMT realm. The elves gave him a, a huge stack of books and said, take this back with you. <clears throat> like to me, that's something you could reflect on for a long time. Yeah. Back out there like two weeks later going again. It's like, well, what, what happened about these elves that gave you some books last time? Like, Read the books. Yeah. <laughs> something with that. Don't just go back for another trip, you know? Totally. Like, totally. So, okay. So in 2000, I haven't done mushrooms in a long time. There was back in 2010. I was going to be the sitter. We went up, me and two of my buddies, we went up uh, into the mountains near Jerome, Arizona. Um, and and uh, I was just going to be a sitter. So I just kind of like microdosed. All right. I did. I got all like fucking wizardy about it and like made like a boundary of protection with salt and all this. <laughs> like my buddies are, they're very like defaultish and they're just like, what the fuck are you doing? They ate a bunch. I just had like, um, I had uh, just a little bit. And what I saw was <clears throat> it went back to a dream, a recurring dream that I used to have. It was kind of like amalgamation of this and just like new information from a dream that I used to have after my brother died. So I'm sitting there and like the clouds just stop. Time just stops. And I stare, I'm staring in the fire and I start hearing the symphony and I fucking fly into the fire and I get down to like on a molecular level where I see I'm in this like fiery ocean, but there's seaweed, but seaweed is made of DNA. And it's just kind of like, you know, how you see, how you see like seaweed or, or the stuff at the bottom of the ocean, it just kind of like waves and flows. And all of this like other like binary code was just drifting in the fire. And as it was like getting closer, the, 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 the seaweed, the DNA seaweed would like touch this binary of one and ones and zeros. And depending on what it touched and how many ones and how many zeros it touched, it started to um, transform. And some of it transformed very, you know, beautiful into beautiful things. And other, other it was just kind of like grotesque shit that just wasn't working out. And then I like zoomed right back and I like went by right back into my chair and like, just like almost like fell over. I was like, what just happened? (laughs) Like I had a cap and a stem that was like an inch. (laughs) Everybody else is like, just like mouth. It's the cap that did it. I'm going to, I'm just going to throw it out. (laughs) But it was so, it was so tiny. It was like one of the tiniest caps I've ever had. I've ever eaten. And I was just like, and I, I didn't feel it coming. Like I didn't have that, like, Oh, it's about to happen. 
You know what I mean? Like my perspective's going to change. None of that happened. I just was like, boom, into the fire, boom, right back out. And I was like, and when I, when I was right back out, I was like, holy shit. Like I didn't feel the way you feel when you're on mushrooms. I didn't feel it before it happened. I didn't feel it after it happened. I was just like, what? Just, I had this experience and I came back. The second time was with cannabis. <clears throat> it was like, so we, before the bike ride, we had one day to get the van, put all, like pack all of our stuff in our bikes, see the weight distribution. Because if we did California, like just by ourselves, we had a few people help us. But once we realized we had, all these events that we had to keep up. Like if somebody got injured, we needed still needed to get to this event because they had been planning for a long time. So I decided to take my truck with me and we, what we would do is one person would ride, one person would drive. And this worked out because in Chapel Hill, my partner had a back injury and couldn't ride until we got to New York. So I had to do North Carolina all the way up into New York. Um, <clears throat> so it was good to have like a support vehicle there um, just so that we can make events. So we had, I had one day in Arizona before we got to like put everything together, get all of our gear, put it together, fit it into the, into the van that we were going to drive to San Francisco. And the night before somebody, I had, we had an event and this woman gave me a, a, a cannabis cookie. Now I did not hear her say, don't eat the whole thing. It's hash oil. I didn't hear that. Yeah. I was just like, fuck, that's a big cookie. I'm going to get lit. I'm going to bed. I'm going to have a nice solid sleep. That did not happen. I started to like feel it and it was like, it hit me hard. And I'm like, whoa, this is like, if you don't do cannabis a lot and then you slam your system with a high dose, it, it becomes very, very, very psychedelic. I laid in my bed for eight hours projecting on the ceiling as if my head was a projector and light was shooting through my eyes. I could see like shit playing out about the tour, all the worst shit that could happen. Winds picking me up on highway one on California coming out of Monterey and being thrown over a 500 foot cliff to like Rocky ocean below tornadoes in, in, in uh, Nebraska sweeping us away. Giant, um, you know, uh, diesel trucks smashing us <laughs> like on the side of the road, just every horrible thing that could have happened. Like I was so like for 13 months before that, I was so like in like the work to prep, to get it going, uh, cold calling like a hundred different locations to like have these talks and these meetings set up. And was just fundraising and all this stuff that like, I didn't have any time to be afraid or to be scared. And it all came out in eight hours. It was, it was, it was like when, uh, in fear and loathing in Las Vegas, when they talk about like a bad trip being the fear, like it was the fear. And, but I've always thought fear, those fearful moments in, in a psychedelic trip are, are if not more potent and powerful and providing of lesson than any other happy trip. You know what I mean? Like feeling love and connectedness to, to everything is rad, but you know, fucking freaking out and like experiencing your inner 
darkness to me is what it's all about. <laughs> People are like, I don't like to do that. I had a bad trip. I was like, that was the trip. You yeah. know, like I want to experience some darkness and, and come out on the other side into the light. So, but it's one thing having that. It's another thing when you're not expecting it. Like I just wanted to go to bed and I just had, <laughs> I tripped for eight hours and then I had a whole full day that I needed to like go through. And it wasn't like a fun trip. It was like, agonized like i felt the fear of falling off a cliff i felt being smashed by a truck by a semi truck i felt being torn apart by a, by a tornado like i was feeling all this it was very visceral it was the emotion was there and i you know i was like dude this i'm i'm in my bed everything's cool you know like i had to like feel it but like also not lose my fucking mind at the same time and when I woke up the next, when, when I woke up, I didn't go to bed. When I, when the sun crept through and I came down, I was just exhausted. But I had no, any fear that I would have was gone. Mm. Like I, I just had this like deter, this newfound. If I was determined before with all the work, the 13 months of prep before, I was even more determined when I woke up. I, I knew that I was getting to the end of the, I was going to make it to the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. I was not going to fall over any cliffs. I was not going to be hit by a semi. I was not going to be torn apart by a tornado. I mean, we had experiences where like, you know, danger was real, but I knew no matter what, like I was going to make it to the end of this micro journey and all was good. Like, it didn't matter how stupid I acted, like, I was going to make it through. I wasn't going to tempt fate, but I also knew that I was going to be taken care of. I might shit myself along the way, but I was going to make it there. Mm, that's pretty cool. So you perhaps were just meant to go through that whole experience and just... Rather to go through it for eight hours, rather than for, uh, you know, feeling it a little bit here and there for seven months. Yeah, that makes total sense. Very cool. Um, well, we've just crossed an hour, so I think uh, we'll probably wrap things up. But yeah. Anything else you wanted to plug before we hop off? Anything you wanted to uh, shout out <clears throat> to check out? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. This is awesome. It's good to be on the other side of the microphone with somebody on somebody else's show, especially somebody who, you know, the stuff that you're into. I, I can have these conversations for hours, you know, <laughs> like yeah. totally seem like a dude I'd be like chilling, uh, drinking coffee with. Uh, if, if, if people want to, uh, uh, learn more about rise, go to risephoenix.org. Um, I have links to support groups all throughout the United States there. I have links to other organizations, whether art or dealing with art, mental health, uh, philosophy. I have a ever growing reading recommendation section. I don't recommend it unless I've read it. So, <laughs> um, and I also have a, a, a background history on the bike ride and I've got the blog for the inner monologue podcast. And if you want to listen to inner monologue podcast, uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Very nice. I'll include all your links as well in the description on YouTube and on the iTunes page and everything and on the website. So people can just quickly get to it. But um, thanks for taking the time. And I would love to come on yours. So we can yes. set that up. That'd be pretty cool. Yes. Uh, most likely won't be traveling down to you, but we'll, no, we'll no. be online. 
We could do it by, by Zoom. See, I, I, would, I might have to like pick your brain or do some research on how to get this thing to work the other way. Yeah, I mean, I, I could even set it up on here and I could just send you the file afterwards if you wanted to do it that way. Like if you didn't be, actually sign up yourself and go through the process. But yeah, I, that, I guess if you are interested in doing more of the video ones, like sign up. Because I was doing it on Skype before, but it just it, the connection's not the greatest. And this is great because it automatically records it, puts it on the Zoom website, and I just grab the files from there. So it's okay. very, yeah. They, and they separate the audio and the video as well. So if I just want one versus the other. All right. I also yeah. noticed that uh, you you have somebody on your show that I've recorded with, but I haven't posted it. Dr. Benjamin Banalis. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 The uh, yeah. autoimmune. He got over some autoimmune issues. I think he had like yeah. ticks or something. That there's been a bunch of people that have these autoimmune problems, and uh, you know, I, I always treat those as well. Like that's kind of life putting you in a new direction. If you're not taking the action, the steps yourself, it's like that's, it's going to happen to you in that way that you're going to be forced because he was, uh, I mean, you spoke with him, right? He was like an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. He was in my house. He's, he's got a great story. Nice. Yeah, he, he lives here in the Valley. So. Oh, okay. Very cool. Um, if you, if you want, um, I can throw some names towards you and if you, you can do some research and if you're interested in, I can connect you with some other people that are local here that could, you know, do zoom. If yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, if you got any recommendations, like oh yeah, I, I've I've got a few in mind right now. So nice. perfect. Um, yeah. I love that. I'll send I'll send either like their Instagram link, and you can look at them. And if you want, if you just give me a thumbs up, and then I'll do like an introduction, or if you know, if not, whatever. <laughs> right on, Adam. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for taking this time. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll connect and I'll hop on yours soon. Uh, right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Right on. Have a good one.